The RPG After Years is part of the We Can Make This Work Probably Network. Find out more at probablywork.com. Do you like video games? Ever thought about making a video game? Do you find that a week or two weeks is kind of short for a game jam? Well, have I got the game jam for you with the We Can Make This Work Probably Game Jam. The jam runs from April 20th to June 9th to provide a nice amount of time for you to make something cool. And the theme is, if you can smell that fat, you're not far enough apart. Shout out to the Lebanon Main Fire Department for this meme. Check out the link in the description for more information and to figure out how to join and submit. Have fun! to the RPG After Years, your show covering all things RPGs from the past, present, and future. I'm Scott. And I'm Rich. And today we are doing a bit of a bonus episode. Uh, we will be covering all your questions and comments that you guys sent us about uh, the Final Fantasy VII Remake. We meant to originally do this on part four, the last part of the review, but that episode ran a little long and <laughs> we've already got some criticism about the length of our episodes. So we figured we'd chop it off and make our own little bonus episode. Yeah, it was really long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Jay is not here today. We actually do not know where Jay is. No one has heard from him in many hours. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he, uh, we were scheduled to do this today, so I hope he's not dead. We'll provide an update He's out. <laughs> and, uh, in a few weeks because our next couple episodes are Alundra, right? <laughs> yes. Yes. We get a break. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, I appreciate that. Well, you don't really get a break. <laughs> it's already recorded though, right? Yeah. So we still get a break. Awesome. I still get a break. Congratulations. Thank um, you. Oh, one more comment. You guys might have noticed the music was a little bit different. That is our uh, aftercast theme from our patron special episodes. It's like a, a club remix of our main intro theme. So since it's a bonus episode, we thought we'd give our regular peasant listeners uh, a taste of that. <laughs> yes. It was such a disco nightclub kind of feel music that I'm over here with glow sticks. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm fist pumping and party boying people. Yeah. Um, yes. But anyway, let's... Uh, Move right into the questions. All right. Uh, first up, we'll go ahead and answer some uh, questions that Bill sent us. He sent three of them, and I'll let uh, Rich read those. Okay. So these are some really hard-hitting questions here. <laughs> so what's the best new song added to the game? I assume he means brand um, new song, not a remix of I'm something. having a real hard time figuring that out. 
there were some good new ones. Um, yes. If you'll remember the uh, the Avalanche theme, um, that was good. Uh, there were several mixes of that. Um, there was like one before when um, Cloud and Aerith are on their way to Walmart. It's kind of like a happy, like techno-ish song. You remember which one I'm talking oh, yeah. about? Yeah, I know that. That was actually a pretty good one. I like that. That one was good. Um, I think if I had to pick one, though, it would be, um, well... Outside of uh, the the Honeybee Inn club dance music, stand up, get oh. on time, or whatever it says. <laughs> I like that song. Uh, I like the hand. It's called Hand Over Hand, and it plays when Tifa's doing the monkey bars in the Shinra building. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, very, I, I remember very that. Sweet. It's hard to remember some of these song names and stuff. So yeah, um, I don't have the compilation disc coming. Like you, I have a, you have the soundtrack coming. Yeah, I have a confirmation that it has shipped, and I am super hyped. Uh, another one I really yeah. liked is uh, Scarlet's theme. That's the one where it plays like in the Shinra building lobby, and it's like a female vocalist, like kind of jazz sounding. Oh, was that the one where they're in the cafeteria? Yes. Like, okay, where, okay. Everybody's that, like all the employees are looking out over the like the destruction. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, they're like, yes, we did that. That was us. They're yeah. like looking over the landscape. Do you um, have a so question favorite? number two? I don't. Okay. I don't. I just like them all. <laughs> I, I did. It's hard to pick those things, but it kind of leads into the next question from Bill was what's the best updated song from the original OSC? This is hard because there's not a single track that I strongly disliked. There's, I yeah. guess there's probably a few forgettable ones, but oh, what about you? What do you think? Um, I do like some of the like updated battle music that they did when like the Scorpion. Yeah. Uh, when the first one, I, that's the one that sticks out of my mind. I mean, yeah, it was in the demo and stuff, but like that felt more updated with like the rock tones and, and very urgent. Um, I like the ones now that are not the 16 bit, you know, ding, ding, ding ones. It's more of a really hard hitting, um, combat music that's what i really like i agree i, with I enjoyed those updates to those all the battle media music is awesome um another one that yeah. sticks out in my mind is being very improved the uh the honeybee in like theme music from the original was very like almost grating and uh it is now like very yeah. flourished and built up to be like its own piece kind of um i think i agree with you probably was, the boss battle was one wing and angel yeah, it was in there. Um, yeah. Okay. I think I kind of like the original version of it better, and even the Advent Children butt rock version. <laughs> yeah, but it's still I just, great. I, it's still great and stuff. I I wish we heard more of it um, in the game and stuff. Um, you know, when Sephiroth showed up and everything, but you know, it is what it is. Um, so here's a weird question from Bill. Is uh, his last one is how much drunk? Or excuse me, how much junk is in Aerith's trunk? And what is she going to do with all that junk? <laughs> so this uh, uh, Bill is insane. From a tweet that I shared with the guys where uh, somebody was pointing out that whenever Aerith like sort of bends over or gets to her knees or whatever, the way her uh, dress hugs her ass, it is very clear that she's got a bit of a badonkadonk going on back there. <laughs> the tweet yeah. said... Uh, Believe in the power of Eris' big butt. The promised land is real. 
<laughs> yes. I, I about cry laughed when I first saw that. Um, yeah. Well, Tifa's got the chest, so they gave Aerith this. And uh, yeah. I, I, for one, am here for it. Yeah, I liked it. It was, I never paid attention to that though. Like sometimes uh, some of that stuff I don't pay attention to, like Bill does apparently. So, yeah. uh, perf. Yeah, perf. <laughs> um, so we'll just leave that to you guys to, to think about that question a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Anyways, um, our next set of questions came from listener Kato Kane. Um, his first question is, what does the cast think about the end of Evangelion slash Evangelion rebuild comparisons to FF7R's ending? And how does the cast think things will change? Uh, I have not seen any Evangelion. Have you, Rich? I have no idea what that even is. It's like, like a really I'm stupid. <laughs> it's a really like popular, famous anime. Um, but uh... too bad Jay's not here because he might have possibly been able to answer that yeah we might have to skip that one um because like i I don't watch that much anime and uh yeah and Um, jay would be more of a idea for that one right his next question is if this is a sequel to the original timeline how do you surmise that sephiroth of the previous timeline and failure made his made his way to this timeline i mean we can't even begin to guess, right? We just know that Sephiroth yeah. has magic life stream powers. And as long as something Genova cells remain, he can do a lot of, they could basically retcon him to be able to do whatever he wants. Yeah. But he doesn't have a, he it's this is not a sequel. We've already figured that, or I guess it's not a sequel in some way, but Jay would say, or no, we did. Yeah. Yeah. It's a sequel. Sorry. I think I'll say something different. Um, his failures, I mean, definitely you can think of the failure he had in Advent Children was the last time he really showed up was, you know, the famous line of, I will never be a memory. It's just the same thing. It's, he's always going to come back no matter what. So he just, he has that ability to go into the live stream and go, okay, that didn't work. Uh, what else can I do? So do no matter what, he's going to show up in the timeline. Do you think they'll give us an explanation that actually makes any kind of sense? Regarding the Advent Children stuff? Uh, regarding or, how Sephiroth is able to time travel, basically. <laughs> uh, based on what they did with the with this one, with part one, and there's so much detail to everything, yes. Um, if they want to give a true overall experience for, the, the, for us, yeah, they should. Regardless if that be a companion book like they've released that's in only in Japanese, right? Is that book only in Japanese? Yeah, Ultimania. Ultimania. I hope they release that in, in uh, English at some point. Um, so I, I can get a copy of that, but they might do the same thing. So I think they will explain it. You have more faith than I, <laughs> um, I, I do. I'm trying to be faithful with it. Yeah. Um, his next question is, are there any changes you wish were not made in the overall story? This is an easy one for me. Uh, I would have preferred the story to stick more or less to the original. I don't mind additions or changes necessarily but i personally would have been happier without the whole whisper plot line and potentially future sephiroth being able to fuck with the og game and Aerith potentially knowing more than she should all that i would prefer without but i mean it's the main new addition so yeah whereas i'm on the opposite side of that spectrum i i loved all that extra additional stuff to it a few things i wish they didn't change um was 
I'm trying to think here. Um, like adding that that second part with um, the underground laboratory underneath uh, Sector Seven. I wish they'd not have added that stuff to it because it doesn't make any sense to me. Like it, it has yeah. no point uh, to it. Yeah. So I'm I would I'd be totally fine with that out of there. But everything else, I think it fit just fine. Um, the whispers kind of kept everything on track uh, as best as it could. Um, you know, the few changes with Barrett being stabbed by Sephiroth, um, a few changes with the with President Shinra and that crew. Um, yeah. Um, oh, and then I, don't get me wrong. The guy that played the voice of Roche was good. Like, I thought he did a fantastic job, but um, I, I don't need him. I don't need Roche, Roche or whatever in yeah. the storyline. Get him out of there. Nope, I was willing done. to give him the benefit of the doubt. I was assuming he would come back later and the addition of his character would pay off, which could still happen in a future part. But it, it could. But this part alone made me question why he was even added. <laughs> I, I think I saw an, an interview saying, or like some kind of clip saying that Roach was just going to be a side character that doesn't affect the storyline. Yeah. He's going to be one of those guys that just shows up every once in a while. So I'm not, I, I would, he can get out of there. Sorry. <laughs> right. I'd be fine not, with that. Not feeling it. Yeah. And this also sort of leads into his next question. What are your thoughts on Zack surviving the encounter with Hojo's soldiers? And how do you think cloud ended up with the buster sword? So I'm not happy. There's another change. I'm not necessarily happy about Zack. I love Zach, but he, I'm fine with him dead because his death is one of the, you know, best scenes in all of Final Fantasy. So I, th- I feel like it sort of undermines that. Um, as far as how he ended up with Cloud, ended up with the Buster Sword, I don't think we can realistically answer that right now because, you know, think maybe Zach dropped Cloud off with Tifa and gave him the Buster Sword. Maybe there's two Clouds running around in this timeline. <laughs> It's it would be all you know yeah. speculation. What what did you think about Zach still being alive? You know, based on what I saw with you know these different different timelines and things like that, and um, you know, Cloud maybe maybe Cloud or this whole is not a separate timeline. Maybe this is a true fact that like what you're saying is where you know Zach saw what was happening and maybe he realized he was supposed to die but didn't. Um, he just drops cloud off somewhere leaves him the buster sword and takes off and says okay i'm gonna go figure this out um you're supposed to have this here you go and um he goes off searching his own deal that's just my thought on it um but i agree with you zach his best scene in in uh all final fantasy was definitely that death scene um in crisis core so it does kind of undermine it a little bit i'm just curious on what they're going to do with it yeah, hopefully there'll be a great payoff. I know that, like I said in the main episode, they probably just really wanted to have Zach more involved in the story since he is so popular now. But Yeah, which is weird. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so our next set of questions comes from Jobin, and he wrote us quite a lot. So I'm just going to read his comment out, and we'll stop whenever we get to an actual question. He says, Um... Bill, I hope you, Rich, he sent this question to Bill. I hope you, Rich, and Jay are doing well. Well, fuck me. (laughs) It's been a long time (laughs) since I've engaged with the podcast, but I saw your post about the FF7 sequel remake review. As someone who played the original FF7, it's one of my absolute favorite games. The new game left me with a lot of questions and wondering. Here's some I would love to hear your take on. 
With the party fighting the Whispers and Sephiroth in the singularity, do you think the party is at their power levels and have the skills they had at the end of the original game, or in Advent Children even? Um, I would say no, just because it's already kind of unrealistic how powerful the characters are to begin with. You know, Cloud like jumping between falling pieces of road and stuff. And like Jay said, um, it, it kind of becomes apparent that Sephiroth is toying with you even at the end, and that Cloud really has no hope of truly beating him at this point. Yeah. So I would say uh, no, but maybe more powerful than they were at this point in the original story. What do you think? Possibly. I mean, you got to look at like Rufus, for example. Um, That was a little rough. Rufus was was a pretty, uh, you know, formidable boss there towards the end. Um, Yeah. He should be able to, you know, stand up to a soldier. Like soldiers supposed to be best of the best. This Rufus guy is the son of the president. Oh man, another good so, point about that is in Advent Children, Cloud has no issues dealing with Reno and Rude. It's like pathetic. And I would yeah. think he also wouldn't have any issues with Rufus at that point. So I think that's a pretty clear line we can look at. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would agree their power levels are nowhere near, especially with Sephiroth, like you said, toying with them. I right. mean, he just had no problem. Continuing on, he says, We do see Cloud attempt to omni-slash Sephiroth at the edge of creation at the end of the new game. It seems unlikely that the party would be powerful enough to jump off of pieces of buildings and be as strong as they appear in that point in the game, Midgar. I know Sephiroth was not trying to kill the party at the end of the new game, but the party should not be strong enough, yet be able to hold their own against him. Them being in a singularity could make sense of that. What are your thoughts on how they are potentially softening the reveals and heartbreaks of the original game for future parts? And um, let me read a little little bit more of what he says here, because it's along those same okay. lines. We see Cloud have jarring visions of Aerith's death. He sheds a tear when he is with Aerith in Chapter 9, implying he saw a vision of her death. Hojo flat out tells Cloud that he wasn't a soldier, relating to the reveal of Cloud not being soldier first class and his memories being connected to Zack and Zack's death. And us seeing Sephiroth and illusions of him so much more in this beginning of the game. Um, so... The actual question here is what do you think about um, Cloud potentially knowing more than he originally did at this point? I don't think I think because Cloud's psyche is so fucked up, even though he may have saw visions of Meteor and Aerith's death and shed the tear. I think he doesn't really my opinion is that he doesn't really understand what he had a vision of or that that's glimpses of the future or whatever, just because he's such a, a psycho case. Yeah. I mean, you think of those those weird mental flashes that he have, the Advent children like mine thing that happened. Um, I think those are just him and his memories of Zach and himself connecting in some way mm-hmm. and they're not meshing up. And that's what's causing him to do that. And that's when Sephiroth shows up and goes, hey, hello. Yeah. And you're not good enough. As far as Hojo, Hojo goes, I don't think that he if he did hear that from Hojo, I don't think he would believe him necessarily or just yeah. be further confused. And that's probably another reason why he his psychic uh, psyche just kind of flashes a little bit because he, Hojo says something that doesn't mesh up with his mind and it's causing that friction to happen. And that's where he's having those moments and 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 everything. So I I I think there's a lot more to that than, than what we Same know. Same deal where we're in the park scene, he asks Aerith what her uh, boyfriend's name was and it's as soon as she says it like his mind like snaps kind of <laughs> um yep so those are just triggers honestly yeah 
One of the reasons, continuing to read here, one of the reasons Sephiroth was such a great villain in the original is that you didn't see him much for a long time. Katase was quoted in an interview saying he was inspired by Jaws and how you didn't see the monster much for long, uh, for a long time, which built it and Sephiroth up for the player. They were seen as unknowns. I disagree with Katase's philosophy in the new game because he was quoted as saying that they couldn't show Sephiroth sparingly in the same way because everyone knows who Sephiroth is. First of all, there are many new players who don't know who Sephiroth is. Secondly, like knowing what a shark looks like relating to Jaws. Just because someone has seen Sephiroth before doesn't mean that they fully understand what he is and that showing him sparingly like they did in the original would not be effective storytelling. Um, okay, so stopping there for a second, I think I could see both sides. Like I get why they would want to show Sephiroth more because people do know who Sephiroth is now. But I do also think that just like Jobin said here, that just because people know who he is doesn't make that reveal and gradual introduction of Sephiroth any less effective. So yeah, I don't think there's any like wrong way or right way to do it here. What do you think? Um, I, I could see that thought process on there, but here's the thing. I mean, Sephiroth, uh, he's such a great villain. Why not introduce him sooner? Why not do these things and just sprinkle him through? Like he, he did show up every so often in the, in this new one, but it wasn't for a long period of time. He wasn't, he was just there for cloud for a few moments and then gone. So it's not like it's a, it's a, uh, a massive him being there constantly. Um, I mean, really the, the new party member or bear and Tifa didn't have any idea who Sephiroth was half the time. They're just like, who are you talking about? Yeah. And they don't really have that conversation with, about Sephiroth towards the end of the game. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm really excited for this upcoming so, yeah, Nibelheim flashback. I, I should I be, care less. Yeah. The Nibelheim flashback should be very early in part two. Oh, yeah. I'm excited to see how the characters all react to that story and all that. Especially Tifa and Aerith, because as we know, Tifa knows Cloud's version isn't true. Anyway, how do you think Cloud can see his vision yeah, for the future? Which is weird, by the way. Anyways. <laughs> uh, I think it's all due to the whispers, right? We just answered that one. Yeah. Do you think Aerith in yep. the new game it's is Sephiroth. from a timeline? I think Sephiroth's doing it too. Yeah, probably. Uh, I think... We answered that one. Yep. Yeah. I think maybe Aerith doesn't know everything, but we she definitely knows more than she should. Um, she seems to know more than she leads yep. on, like in the church when she says he is a soldier and a merc and says she, quote, guessed from his sword. Or when they are at Aerith's house and she says that Cloud would just get lost going to Sector 7 and not ask for help. And Cloud says, he, don't act like you know me. Or his conversation with her in Chapter 14 that is one of three scene options where she says, don't fall in love with me. That's the most concerning scene there because that could potentially imply she knows she's going to die. Yeah. Huh. Uh, he continues on here. With the developers clearly saying at the end of the game that the future is unknown, including saying that the unknown journey will continue, we don't know what they are going to change in future parts. I don't trust what Katase said in the Ultimania book for FF7 sequel when he says, quote, from here on out, we're not drastically changing the story and making it into something completely different than the original. Uh, I don't either. Even yeah, though it's a remake, no. please assume that FF7 will be still be FF7 as usual, end quote. Look at how different the endings of the new game is to the original and all the new possibilities it opens up. Do you think Tifa will die instead of Aerith? No, I don't. I've seen people theorizing uh -huh. that, but that would just be crazy. <laughs> Um, yeah. 
that would be another subversion of expectations because they quote set up Aerith dying was showing the new visions of her death. Also in the video that plays in Shinra HQ that shows Neo Midgar and the Cetra, we see Sephiroth at the end and Barrett and Tifa getting hurt. Barrett is killed by Sephiroth in the new game, but we haven't seen Sephiroth hurt Tifa yet outside of emotionally. Do you think that there are two Sephiroths now, one in the new game's timeline and one from the original game, who is aware that he loses at the end of the original game and is trying to change destiny at the end of the new game and beyond? I think there are at least two Sephiroths at play, and I think it's more likely there's three or more. <laughs> yeah. Because um, you got the Whisper Sephiroth. You got yeah, the Yeah, you, you've got those. The, yeah. Um, since this game is actually a sequel to either the original game or Advent Children and not actually a remake of the original, the, world, the word remake actually meaning a remake of the original timeline. Seems like the second Sephiroth is post-Advent Children Sephiroth. I think you were absolutely correct. Boom. Yep. Do you think Biggs is alive in the timeline of the new game we play in or the timeline that Zack is alive in? That's a good question. Huh. I think that'd be hard to answer, certainly. Um, I hope he's a line in our current timeline so we can see him more. I think he is. I think he is. He's like, I honestly think Jesse and Biggs and, and Wedge, they're all going to show up um, in this new remake of the in part two and part three or how many parts there's going to be. But I think they'll show up, you know, periodically through the thing. Um, yeah. I just don't know how they're going to do it. I'm always here for more uh, big sexiness, eye candy. <laughs> <laughs> There you go. Um, is Jesse alive? And do you think we will see her performing at the gold saucer in a future part? Uh, I didn't think that Jesse was alive until no. Jay spotted that glove next to Biggs. So I think it could go either way. Um, it'll be a surprise, whatever they do. Is Marlene attuned with the planet somehow? Yeah. No, I think she won't be. Yeah. She's always got like this sort of mystical ha. air to her, but <laughs> when she's talking to Barrett in chapter 14, she mentions that Aerith is, something and cuts off before she says it then at the end of the game a drop of water falls from a flower that marlene is looking at she says daddy while barrett is reaching out to her from outside midgar it seems like a little hint to me um she's a kid they always do creepy stuff with kids i wouldn't put anything to or try to attribute anything to like mystical to marlene at this point they could surprise me though um He says, I'm disappointed with the ending because it heavily implies that some memorable story moments will change in future parts that I was looking forward to experiencing in the remake. What are your thoughts on your excitement for future parts with these potential huge changes in mind? Um, I'm hoping that Katase was being at least partially truthful and that any major changes aren't things that affect how the original story went necessarily, at least until the end, I guess. What about you? Um, I'm going to go on the, on the side here of this. I, I want them to make some changes on some things, um, only because it's something new, um, new telling of the story, a new, new way that things could happen with it. Um, and they've already set it up. They've set it up that there's going to be changes, um, in this part one, um, some things are going to be different. So continue the train. That's yeah. all I'm saying with that is let's just keep going with it. Let's see what happens. I don't think we should really. Yes, this game was a a very good remake or you know sequel or whatever. I regardless of anybody says about it, it's it is a good uh, good game. It, the scores out there prove that it is. Um, yeah, some people have disappointments, and I and that is perfectly fine for them to have disappointments and disagreements with it. But I don't think we should judge this game entirely based on this part one of the full story. I mean. 
um, we should wait until we see the final parts of it in order to really judge how they played out with it. This is just part one of it. Why not? Once we figure out everything, then we can go back and say, that was a bad idea. They should have done that. But we're all going to be playing all the parts regardless of what happens. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. They're going to get my money either way. He finishes up with, I'm sorry I sent you so many thoughts. Thank you for your time and work. Thank you, Jobin. I think we may have found somebody more passionate about uh, FF7 than we are somehow. (laughs) Um, Have another question from Bill here real quick. He says, is the nail bat the best weapon? It is, right? Uh, Yes, it is the best weapon. No. (laughs) Appearance-wise, it is anyway. No. Um, The the amazing thing Uh, about this battle system is that all the weapons are great, right? There's no like bad weapon necessarily. No. Well, and I do like the fact there's not that many. Right. Um, there's just those six or seven, so that's not bad. So let's move on to um, Mini BT, because apparently I don't say his name right. So Mini BT. Um, he's got a few questions for the F-7 remake. His least favorite enemies. Mine was the Chowgin and anything flying. Ghost um, were mentioned on the other episodes, but not sure if that is all the host's least favorite. Um yeah, I'm not a big fan of those either. Those the Sahagans suck. Sahagans, yeah, they're a pain in the ass because every time they turn me into frogs and I got pissed off. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, I agree with you. Flying, I hate it. Um, yeah. It just seemed very, very hard to fight them. Yeah, and surprisingly, I didn't have any problems with the ghosts the second time through in hard mode. So I don't know if I was just being a bitch during my first run through or what. But <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. So... Um, how do you think they will should handle character stats equipment moving on moving into the second part? Will they magically erase all levels and materia, let you keep the stuff, but scale it all down level wise? No, I honestly think they should keep it the same. It just carries over. That's just the easiest way because um, it's capped out at 50. What I'm expecting. Right? The level is capped at 50, so it should carry over. Yeah, I would not be surprised if they don't carry over anything. Or like maybe start you at a lower level or something. But what I'm hoping for is there's some kind of connectivity, whether they let you transfer your save files or um, the Golden Sun games on the Game Boy Advance. And the second one in that, you could put in, you could like use a link cable to transfer your save data and like have your characters at the same stuff. Or you could, it even gave you like a 16 page password you could enter in by hand if you were (laughs) that desperate. So it's possible for sure. Yeah. They need to. Um, they need to do it. Um, yeah, hopefully there is some way to connect there. Um, Looking ahead here, we got another question from Caleb Mickle. He says, I think it, that it was a poor decision to name this game Remake. After the ending and listening to a bajillion theories about what it is, it doesn't seem like this is a remake, but something else entirely. I did enjoy the game quite a bit, though, overall. Well, we've talked about that at length at this point. So uh, everybody's got different takes. Well, it's not really a remake. It's a remake of the storyline. Right. Remake. Anyways. (laughs) Um, Yeah. We got a question from Kaboski. Nope. Sorry. That was uh, a question about episode 100. (laughs) Thank you, though. Yes, thank you. Um, RPGs and Death Metal asks, if you could pick any game subjectively not looking at sales or anything what would you like to see get a similar remake treat treatment oh there's so many the first one that pops uh, in my mind is uh, obviously parasite eve i would love like a re2 <laughs> okay. make style remake of that game 
I've got two. Okay. Um, everybody that knows me knows that I really love Legends of Lagaya. <laughs> I think that should be a remake. That'll never. And happen. the second one, it, I know it never will. It's dead somewhere. Uh, the second one would be Legends of Dragoon. Hmm. I could see that potentially happening one day. Or yeah, because that's got a like, big following, and there's been several. What? I could see, or at least like a really nice remaster of it. Yeah, and there's been talks, though, about like a few of the developers, I think developers or composers or something like that, said something about like, oh, you know, maybe we want to do this, or maybe we have some weird kind of off-the-cuff you know, response to it. So you never know. But those are the two that I think would be really good. Um, getting a look at it, uh, at least getting that treatment of it. Um, not the FF7 remake treatment as a different convoluted storyline, but just a remake. Yeah. And honestly, like pretty much any Final Fantasy game, I think I would be excited if it got this type of remake treatment, especially like oh, yeah. six, eight, nine, even 10, really. Um. His next question is, what was one change slash update that really surprised you and made you say, I'm really glad they did that? Um, for me, I would say chapter four, which is the one where you go topside with Jesse Biggs and Wedge. I really loved that part a lot. Um, I'm going to say that one, too. Um, that wasn't at all part of the game storyline at all. Um, I really like that it shows more of an uh, in-depth look at the other side characters as opposed to what it was in the original where you just saw these guys and you're just like, eh, whatever. And they died. You're like, I don't really have that much connection to you. Sorry that you're dying. Now it's more of a, you know, you're playing these characters and you're like, Oh my God, don't die. Please, please stay with me. Um, So yeah, I I like, I like that part. The other thing that I like a lot is they're introducing some of the characters earlier, like a Heidegger and rude, for example. What were you going to say, Rich? Yeah, that's true. Um, we, we still get done. Well, obviously, we can deal without Roche. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> so the next question that we have, it's our last question from Irat, um, is what what did you think of the honeybee end sequence and the ending? Are we talking the ending is in the honey, honeybee ending or the actual ending of the game? I think he means the actual ending. Um, okay. So for that, we talked already, about that yeah, one at length. At length, yeah. Um, as far as the honeybee E sequence, honey bee in sequence you can go listen to i think it was part two of the review yeah to get our full thoughts on that but uh short answer i loved it i felt like it was a, a really great like celebrate celebration of the you know voyeurism and sexual sexuality and uh burlesque type stuff um yeah <laughs> it, since we recorded that part i think we found out that and one of Square Enix's employees said Cloud could dance that well because of soldier training. And so that just makes me imagine Sephiroth on stage there. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say the same. I mean, I thought it was a really, it was done really well. At first when I saw uh, like some previews and stuff of the Honeybee Inn, it made me cringe a little bit because sometimes we get these games and they do things like this and it's like, it's not really that great. Uh, but this one, he, it was a fantastic job. I liked the music and what they did with it was was good. I didn't think there was any problem with it. Yeah. So thanks, everybody, for sending in your questions. We really appreciate it. And once again, sorry we couldn't uh, didn't have time to cover that on the main episode. Uh, and also sorry that Jay is not here. I'm sure he would have loved to talk about some of this stuff. <laughs> we still haven't heard from him. Yeah. 
He's definitely dead. That's weird. <laughs> yep. Oh my um, God, no. So <sighs> next week, uh, the next two weeks, actually, we're going to be doing Bill and Rich did the Alundra review with um, a guest. Who was, who was that, Rich? Like half. Half of me in there. Caleb. <laughs> Caleb is in there. We're, we're doing half the uh, half of it's me. The other half is Bill and Caleb. So because like everybody knows, I don't finish games. So <laughs> Exactly. Um, so this is just a bonus episode. We won't go into all the plugs, but just a reminder that um, we are uh, going to be doing an aftercast covering even further our thoughts, theories, uh, speculation on what exactly happened during the ending and all that and what we think that might mean for part two. So if you want to hear us talk about FF7 Remake even more somehow, go check that out at our Patreon, which is at patreon.com slash RPG after years. Okay, so where can they find us on Twitter, Rich? They can find us at RPG years. They can also find myself at hailblue1569. And you can find me at the Scott Spot. Uh, if you want to talk to Jay, he's at Jay Hizzle. And Bill is at Matunica with two N's. So, once again, thank you everybody for uh, listening to our long, freaking long remake review. And thanks for all the questions. We look forward to answering more of them in the future. Yeah. Uh, so look forward to the Alundra review next week slash this coming week. Until then, I'm Scott. And I'm Rich. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye.